We are packed today. <laughs> you know, there are two kinds of God's people. And uh, I hope that you will fall in the second category. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 27, God said, How long shall I bear with this evil generation who are grumbling against me? I have heard the complaints of the sons of Israel which they are making against me. Your corpses will fall in the wilderness, even all your numbered men, according to your complete number from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. Who are these people? They are not pagans. They were the sons of Israel. They were brought out by God from Egypt and they were on the way to the promised land. But what was their lifestyle? What was their default mode? Complaining and grumbling. What's the alternative lifestyle of God's people? Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Rejoice always in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So one mode is to be a grumbler, complainer. The other mode is to be a rejoicer, a giver of thanks. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, through Jesus, now that we have relationship with Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So when you wake up in the morning and you experience either rain or heat, or when you are eating, what's your initial reaction? Is it to complain or is it to give thanks? Our text today is from Psalm 34 and I love this psalm. Every time I go to crisis, I recite this psalm from memory. Look at the opening statement. I will bless the Lord. How often? At all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You know, when you read the opening statement of Psalm 34, you may have the feeling that maybe this person does not encounter any problem. But as we see the whole psalm, you will find out he has gone through so many kinds of challenges. Yet, despite those challenges, his default mode was giving thanks. His default mode was giving praise. How can that happen? Pastor, I'm only a human being. I'm affected with what I see, what I hear, what I taste. So if what I see, what I hear, what I taste is not good, of course I will complain. Well, if you are a complaining person, it will only take a short time. People will shy away from you. 
even your children, even your parents. Is it really possible to praise the Lord continuously? And my answer to that question is yes. But you need to have a key. And the key to continuous life of praise in the Bible is fear of the Lord. That statement is used at least 50 times in the Bible. In Psalm 22, 23, you who fear the Lord, because those who do not fear the Lord, they cannot praise the Lord. They despise the Lord. They are angry with the Lord. But those who fear the Lord, they praise Him. They glorify Him. They stand in awe of Him. In Psalm 33, verse 8, the invitation, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand awe in Him. What is this fear of the Lord? That the whole creation in the past and even the whole creation in heaven are being called to do it. In Revelation 14, 7, it says, Fear God, give glory to Him. For the hour of His judgment is come. Worship Him that made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of water. What comes to your mind when you hear the word, Fear the Lord? Pastor, fear the Lord. You tremble before Him. You know, uh, you, you are scared of Him. And that's a picture of God to many people. He is scary. Fear of the Lord can be your foe or can be your friend. It can be your master. It can make you scared. Or it can be your motivation for something positive. There are so many sources of fears in the world today. Many people are afraid of rejection, failure, loss, sickness, accidents, storms, terrorists, crime, dying. They're scared of Satan. Slaves are often scared of offending their cruel master because they will be punished. Are these words familiar to you? All of them have the word phobia. Because the word phobia is the Greek word for fear. Acluophobia is the fear of darkness. What about acro, autophobia? Agoraphobia. Agora. Market, like this. You know, if somebody has problem with the claustrophobia, they will not enter this place. What about autophobia? Pastor, afraid of cars. No. <laughs> Autophobia is you're scared to be by yourself. Auto means self. What about cacophobia? You're afraid of ugly people. You don't want to see ugliness. What about caliginophobia? You're afraid of beauty. Ergophobia, ergo. You're afraid to work. <laughs> you, you feel you will get sick when you work. Gamophobia. Gamo? Marriage. Some people are gamophobic. They don't like to get married. I thought you will know. Gerascophobia. From Gera. Geriatrics. Yeah. 
afraid of getting old. Heliophobia. Yan, mga Pino yan, heliophobia. Palaging may payong. Helio means sun. So, afraid of the sun. What about the next one? Can you, can you read? Hey, Americans, can you pronounce this? Huh? Whatever. It's fear of long words. Fear of long words. <laughs> you know, one, uh, one psychiatrist said, stop being afraid of what could go wrong. Focus on what could go right. You know, there are people who are now more than 60 and still single. You know why? They're afraid of getting married. I like this quotation. Success, successful people have fear. Successful people have doubts. Successful people have worries. They just don't let these feelings stop them. Another one that I like. Above all, don't fear difficulties or difficult moments. The best comes from them. And this one, when fear knocks at your door, answer it with, with faith. So that's our concern this afternoon, that we will learn what fear of the Lord is from the perspective of faith. When Moses went out of Egypt with two to three million people, the father-in-law said, Moses, you cannot continue to do what you are doing. You cannot handle all this multitude. And Jethro principle said, you choose leaders. And look at the primary characteristic of leaders. Select out of the people able men, able men who, who fear God. You know, if your organization is composed of leaders who do not have a sense of fear of God, they don't have a sense of accountability to a higher being, you know, your organization will not be secure. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Solomon wrote the conclusion when all is heard. So after looking at life from uh, different perspectives, now that he is old, his conclusion is fear God and keep his commandments. Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, 28, Do not fear those who kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. When you are afraid of God, you don't have any other thing else to fear. And that's what I like to talk about this afternoon. That the fear of the Lord is the key to a life of continuing praise. In Psalm 34 verse 9, Fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him there is no want. Young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, said the writer, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And that's what I will do this afternoon. 
so that the next time you encounter the word fear the Lord, you know what it means from the Bible. Okay. So the first meaning of fearing the Lord in the Bible is to give the Lord primary importance in all areas of our lives. Look at the writer. He had problems. But in verse 4, when he had problem, the primary consideration is the Lord. I sought the Lord, and what happened? He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Wow. I sought the Lord, he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. And those who fear the Lord will look to him, and their faces will be radiant. Their faces will never be ashamed. And then verse 6, this poor man cried, the Lord heard him, saved him out of all his troubles. So a person who feared the Lord does not mean you don't have troubles. But if you fear the Lord, the Lord will listen to your cry and the Lord will deliver you from all your fears and from all your troubles. Look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he rescues them. So we are not afraid to enter through the valley of darkness. We are not afraid to face problems because there is the Lord who will deliver us, who will rescue us, who will save us. It's just sad that many people don't know this. Because for them, their primary important thing is money, their reputation, their pride. So when they have problems, they realize that those things will not sustain them. To give the Lord primary importance was highlighted in the law in Deuteronomy chapter 10. In verse 12, Now Israel, what does the Lord require from you? You know, in Micah 6 verse 8, that was also asked. But here the answer was to fear the Lord your God. Because when you have fear of the Lord your God, what will you do? You will walk in His ways. You will love Him. You will serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You will keep his commandments and statutes. And the result, it will be for your good. When the Bible says, fear the Lord, he is not saying that because it will be good for God. No, 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 no. When the Bible says you fear the Lord, it will be good for you who will fear the Lord. In the New Testament, if you ask Jesus, what the Lord requires of people, he gave the answer. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. So when you ask people in the family, in the office, in the school, what is your prime, primary goal in life? Some people will say, I want to be rich. Okay, how will you measure that? How much money will that mean? Oh, before it was just a million. Now it becomes a billion. But are many billionaires happy? But if you seek God's kingdom, 
If you seek the king first, then the king is committed to secure what is good for you. Somebody asked me when I was in ATS, Pastor, I have a problem with the Bible. In the Old Testament, mostly it says, fear the Lord. But in the New Testament, it says, love the Lord. So is there any conflict? No, there's no conflict. Because love for the Lord is also mentioned in the Old Testament. And fear of the Lord is also mentioned in the New Testament. And what I discovered in my study is a, there is a beautiful and mystical dynamic relationship between fear of the Lord and loving the Lord. If you love the Lord, you will be afraid to digress from His path. Okay? And if you fear the Lord, you will see to it that your love for Him will not dwindle. Here, John wrote, you know, God is love. The one who abides in love abides in God. God abides in Him. And then he said in verse 18, there is no, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear involves punishment. The one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. So that is our response to the love of God. We also love Him. But in, in our everyday affair, how do you practice love? By fearing the Lord. Let me share with you problem about the concept of fearing the Lord. Because in the Philippines, I think 80% of the Filipino people fear the Lord. Look at 2 Kings 17.33. The Israelites in the northern kingdom fear the Lord. Okay? But what else do they do? They serve their own gods according to their customs. How can that be? You fear the Lord and you also serve other gods. Eh kasi naninigurado ang Pinoy eh. No? Pag hindi umubra ang Diyos Ama, edi eh doon sa Diyos Anak. Pag hindi umubra ang Diyos Anak, edi eh doon sa nanay ng Diyos, kay Maria. Pag hindi umubra si Maria, edi eh kay Santiago. Pag hindi umubra si Santiago, di kay Buda. Pag hindi pwede kay Buda, edi eh kay Santo so and so. That cannot be. When we attach another God, when we attach another uh, personality, look at verse 34. They do according to their earlier customs. They do not really fear the Lord. Kala mo lang you fear the Lord. Look at verse 36. The Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power, with an outstretched arm, you shall fear, and to Him you shall bow yourselves down. To Him you shall sacrifice. God is a jealous God. You cannot put Him on one pedestal and you put somebody else in another. That cannot be. You cannot say, I owe my life to you, O God, but then you depend on somebody else for your life. Let me show to you what fear of the Lord is through the life of uh, two groups of people in the Bible. The first one was Abraham. We knew from the Bible God called him when he was 75 and promised to him that he will become the father of multitude of nations. But Abraham was already 85 no son yet. So they helped God. Okay? The wife said, better lie down with my maid. So Ishmael was born. But God said, no, Ishmael is not the person I promised for you. 
So the promise came when Abraham was 100 years old. 100 years old. Isaac. And then when Isaac was between 12 years old to 15, in Genesis 22, God tested Abraham. And he said, Abraham. And he responded, here I am. And look at what God said. Take now your son. Because I've been Abraham. Which son? I have two sons. Ishmael. Your only son. But they are both only son. From uh, Hagar and from Sarah. Whom you love. But I love both of them. And then God hit the main point. Isaac. Okay. What will I do? Go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a... As a... What's a burnt offering? What's a burnt offering? In Hebrew, it's ola, where you get the word holocaust. Olo means whole. You burn the whole. You slit the neck of the animal, put it on top of the wood, and then burn the whole. Okay? If you were Abraham, will you do it? You're now 100. You waited for 25 years for that son. And now God is asking for that son to be offered to him. God has never asked for human sacrifice in the past. And after this, never will. But at that point in time, God was asking Abraham, offer your son as a burnt offering. Will you do it? You are already 100 and you may not have a son anymore, what will happen to the promises of God? But you know the story. Early in the morning, in verse 3, Abraham went, went to that place and was offering Isaac. And then when he was about to slay him, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and compared how God called him in chapter 22, verse 1. How many times did, they, did God call him in verse 1? One. Abraham! And then Abraham said, here I am. But in Genesis 22, 11, God had to call him twice. Abraham! Abraham! Because he was really about to do it. And he said, here I am. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad, do nothing to him. Why? For now I know that you, that you fear God. Now I know that God is number one in your life. Not the son, not the wife, but God. Since you did not withhold your son, your only son, from then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time and said, By myself I promise, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing, because you feared the Lord, because you did not withhold your son from me. Look at verse 17. Indeed, I will not just bless you. I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your children as the stars of the heavens, as the sand 
which is in the seashore. Your seed shall possess the gates of your enemy. And verse 18, in your seed. And by the way, that seed, according to the New Testament, is Jesus. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You know, mga kapatid, there are many times we are confronted with that choice. Who is number one in my life? Is it God? Is it money? Is it God? Is it my family? Is it God? Is it myself? And many times we are tempted to say, me, my family, money. And then in the long run, we do not experience great blessings. When you fear the Lord, God will not withhold anything good from you. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but those who fear the Lord, those who seek Him, will never be in want of any good thing. Second example I like to use is Israel went to Egypt and there were only 70 of them. And... Uh, you know the story in Genesis chapter 37 to 15. But then in Exodus chapter 1 verse 5, according to the promise to Abraham, what happened in verse 7? From 70 people, the sons of Israel were fruitful, increased greatly, multiplied, became exceedingly mighty, so that the land was filled with them. Tagalugin nga natin yan. At ang mga anak ng Israelita, ay nagpapakarami, dumadami ng marami hanggang nagpapakarami at naging maraming marami hanggang ang lupa ay mapuno nila. Ganyan ang blessing ni God eh. God's blessing is not you know, papatak-patak lang. When God's blessings come, it will pour like flood. So from 70 people, that time they were now, they were about 2 to 3 million people. But something happened. When God is blessing his people, there will be a reaction. So the new Pharaoh said, come, let us deal wisely with them. Or else they will multiply. And in the event of war, they will also join themselves, those who hate us, and fight against us, and depart from the land. So what gagawin nila? To prevent the further growth. They appointed what? Taskmasters to afflict them with hard labor. This is what the Egyptians believe. If the Israelis are too tired working, they have no time to make love in the evening. They will just sleep. Okay? Practical? Practical. But look at what happened in verse 12. The more they afflicted them, ano daw? Aba, the more they multiplied. Eh kasi pagod na pagod sila, so when they reach their home, they want, they want release, they want relief, they want comfort. And the best comfort is having intimacy. Oh, lalong nanganak. Lalong dumami. So, the Egyptians were afraid of the sons of Israel and they made their lives bitter with hard labor in mortar and bricks. 
Okay, before when they were building the, the, you know, the pyramids, they were supplied with materials, but now they themselves will get the mortar and the bricks. But Pharaoh did not stop there. Look at what he did. The king of Egypt spoke to Hebrew midwives. One was Shipra, the other was Pua. By the way, the king of Egypt was Pharaoh during the time he was the emperor of the world. When you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall put him to death. If it is a daughter, she shall live. If you were the Hebrew midwives, what will you do? This is the king of Egypt, the emperor. Will they make him number one or make God number one? Look at verse 17. But the midwives fear God. So there were two parties to fear. Pharaoh and God. They decided to fear God. And they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded. They let the boys leave. So it was deliberate on their part. So the king heard about it and, they, and he questioned them. Why have you done this thing and let the boys leave? Galing ng sagot nila. They said to Pharaoh, Eh, mga Hebrew women eh, darating ka palang nakapanganak na eh. Hindi sila katulad ng mga Egyptian women. Ang tagal manganak. Totoo kaya yun? You know, when you are in tight situation, God will provide you wisdom. You cannot use the excuse, well, I lied or I did this thing because I'm already pressured. No, if you fear the Lord, this Lord will give you wisdom how to handle the pressure. So what happened? God was good to the midwives and the people multiplied. And you know, may bonus. Because the midwives, what? Fear God, what happened? Pati sila binigyan ng anak ni God eh. God established households for them. So when we fear the Lord, we are opening doors for the Lord to break through in our lives and accomplish great things. But when we are afraid more of people, circumstances, than the Lord, then we are left. Our, our future is left on those things. So let's go to the second. To fear the Lord is to give Him importance, primary importance in our lives. But the second is to fear the Lord means also to, full, to give Him full trust. You know, some people are saying, is God really good? Well, that's what the Bible is offering. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, many times when you go to a restaurant or, you, or somebody offers you food, you say, ah, sorry, sorry. And you have never tasted it yet. Until the host says, why don't you try even a little? And then when you try it, it says, whoa. Can you see, God is not only 
you know, experience in this realm. Oh, taste and see. You can experience it. You can witness it with your own eyes. And you can experience how blessed it is when we take refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you His saints. To those who fear Him, there is no, there is no one. You know, when I resigned as project manager of Construction Development Corporation in the Philippines in 1979 and enrolled in ATS, I only had one request from God. One. I said to him, Lord, I will resign from my work. I will serve you. My only request is never will I borrow or ask money for my family. If I borrow or ask money for my family, that's the time I have to quit ministry. Because it means two things. One, you are not faithful to your promise that you will supply all my needs. Or, you are faithful to your promise, but my faith is not trusting. So praise God, I'm in the ministry now for 37 years. At wala po akong utang. I have never written a letter asking people, organization, for money. Because that's what the Lord promised. Fear the Lord, you His saints, for to those who fear Him, there is no one. Some statements in the Bible, when they become too familiar, lose their meaning. So many times, we have to learn them in another way. All of us, I guess here, know Psalm 23, verse 1. What does it say? The Lord is my caretaker, my shepherd, my king. Then, I shall not want. So if you are born again, if you are a Christian, and you are always in one, maybe you need to seek the counsel of the elders or the pastor because there may be something wrong. Because God made the commitment. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord will not withhold anything good from those who walk uprightly. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So how come we are suffering one? Maybe you are in the wrong path. Maybe you are in the wrong business. Maybe you are in the wrong career. The young lions, the robust, strong, fearful young lions, they lack and suffer hunger. But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Kung wala ka ng isang bagay, baka hindi good yan for you. But God's commitment is, you shall not be in want of any good thing. So when you want something very badly, and it is not coming yet to you, maybe God is saying, it is not yet good for you at this point in time. 
Let me show you an example of a full trust in a tough situation. You know, the Pharisees crucified Jesus because they were envious. Now, Jesus died, resurrected, went up to heaven. So this time, they were jealous, not of Jesus anymore, but they were jealous of the apostles. Why? Because these are ordinary people, and yet they can preach and they can do extraordinary things. So what did the Pharisees do? They laid their hands on the apostles and then put them in jail. So what happened in jail? When evening came, the angel came to them, freed them, and they went away and began teaching again in the temple. Again, they were arrested and brought to the Sanhedrin. And then the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? Look at the response of Peter and John. We must obey God rather than men. When the Sanhedrin heard this, they were cut to the quick. And what were they planning to do? They were intending to execute them. You know, Christianity today, especially in the Philippines, is very comfortable. There is no more persecution, unlike in the 1980s. In the 1980s, when you are born again, you know, people ridicule you. People look down on you. But now it's 2019, 2020, and many of the celebrities, many of the people in the movies are born again. So, but here in this setting, Christianity was still a crime. And you have a choice. Will you continue what you're doing and trust God or stop from what you're doing because you want to protect yourself? So what happened when they were intending to kill Peter and the apostles? Well, one member of the Sanhedrin, Gamaliel, who was respected by all people, stood up. Sabi niya, palabasin muna yung mga, yung mga tao na yan. At tapos kinausap niya yung mga tao. Sabi niya, stay away from these men. Let them alone. If their plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them or else you will even find yourself fighting against God. So anong nangyari? They took his advice and after calling the apostles in, ginulpi muna sila. <laughs> ginulpi, order them again for the third time. Order them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then they release them. Okay, if you were told by the Supreme Court not to do preaching or teaching in Jesus' name, what will you do? So they went on their way from the council, from the council and look at that beautiful statement, rejoicing that they had been worthy or considered worthy to suffer for his name. And what did they do? Every day in the temple, from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. 
Nowadays, we don't have persecution. But we don't have teaching every day. You know, I like to challenge Breadcomb Quezon City to pray and to pursue doing this. You know, times are becoming hard and tough. The coming of Jesus is getting nearer. And many people are getting lured to just being focused on themselves and on their careers. You know, I hope I will see in the bulletin of Breadcomb Quezon City that there is a Bible study here on Monday, there is a Bible study here on Tuesday, there is a Bible study here on Wednesday, there is a Bible study here on Thursday, there is a Bible... I hope it will happen. And I'm willing to be part of it. I stopped, when I retired last December, I stopped all my care groups and, because I want to have a break. But now, Doctora and I, my, our lives are excited again because we are starting Bible studies again. And we see lives of people getting changed again. Look, they were threatened. It's already the third warning. And they were warned not by a barangay captain. No. They were warned by the Supreme Court of their day. And they rejoiced that they are considered worthy to suffer for his name. And every day, in the temple, from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. I believe in my heart that here in Quezon City, we have men and women who can teach the Bible, who can share the gospel every day. Every day. You don't have to resign in your work. You don't have to resign from doing what you're doing. But just give time to share the word of God to people. Okay? And then trust God that he will take care of your family. He will take care of your health. He will take care of your resources. And please don't tell me, Pastor, you know, I'm retired already. I'm 60. I'm senior citizen. God called Abraham when he was 75. God called Moses when he was 80. Caleb took Hebron when he was 85. No? So we can do it. We can do it. Third, and the last. So to fear the Lord means to give Him primary importance. To fear the Lord means to give Him full trust. But here is the more practical one. To fear the Lord means giving Him glory or honor in all areas of our lives. The psalmist said, Come you children, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life? Who loves length of days that he may see good. You want to see good? You want to experience the blessings of God in your life? Look at verse 13. What do you do? Keep your tongue from evil. Your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil. Do good. Seek peace. And pursue it. You know, to fear the Lord means that our lifestyles, our relationships are affected by the Lord himself. Look at the description of the citizen of the kingdom of God in the Old Testament, Psalm 15. Who may abide in your tent? 
who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks with integrity, works righteousness, speaks truth in his heart. You know, we have an expression today, walk your talk. But that's only two dimensions. The walk and the talk. Here, the psalmist is saying, your walk, your work, your business, and then your words. Look at verse 3. Again, words. And then relationship in verse 4. And then verse 5, your money. All of them should manifest fear of the Lord. And look at the last statement. He who does these things, not the person who talks about these things. He who does these things, walk with integrity, work righteousness, speaks truth in his heart, relate well with the right people, is a good steward of money. He who does these things will never be shaken. So the fear of the Lord encompasses all of our lives. It's not only Sunday. It's not only our family. It's our whole sphere of life. And Jesus summarized that in Matthew 5.16 when he said, Let your light so shine before men. You know, Christians have sense of false modesty. You know, when we do something good, something great, we don't like to show it off. Why? We are saying, kakahiya naman. You know, that's, that's a deception from the evil one. If you are good, if you are excelling, manifest it. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your <coughs> good works. And what is the result? They give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You cannot be a lousy Christian student. You cannot be a lousy Christian athlete. You cannot be a lousy Christian businessman. There is no such thing. Because you have the Spirit of God, you have something in you greater than anything in the world. So you can excel. You can prosper. If you will allow God to be over your life. Look at 1 Corinthians 10.31. You know, one guy told me, Pastor, natuto ka lang mag-Facebook araw-araw na. Kung saan-saan ka kumakain, no? Well, hindi ko naman dinidisplay yung pagkain ko. I just want to show people that God is good in, even in those small areas of life. Look at what the Bible says. Whatever then you do, eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Can you imagine wealthy people eating by themselves? Walang kasama? Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Not seeking your own profit, but the profit of many so that they may be, may be saved. So let me summarize. A life of praise, continuing praise, is founded on fear of the Lord. And what is the fear of the Lord? It means in all areas of our lives, we give Jesus primary importance. Why is that? He is Lord. We give Jesus full trust. Why is that? He is sufficient Savior. We give Jesus the honor. Why is that? He is the Holy One of God. 
well, pastor, if I give the Lord this, priority, trust, and honor, what happens to me? What happens to my family? What happens to my work, my relationship, my finances, my future? This is what will happen. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. Meaning, you have God's full attention. If you fear the Lord, you will have God's full attention. And when you cry to the Lord, the Lord will hear and deliver you out of all their troubles. And if you are brokenhearted, the Lord will be near you. If you are crushed in the spirit, the Lord will save you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but I love this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Woo! What a promise. Who is the man who fears the Lord? And this is what the Lord will do. He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity. His children will inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. God will make known to them his covenant. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Look at verse 3. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness so what he does here on earth is not only for the earth setting, it will also be remembered and recognized even for eternity. What's the key? Fear of the Lord. In Psalm 128, verse 1 to 6, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. It will be well with him. He will be happy with his work. He will enjoy the fruit of his labors. His wife will be like a fruitful vine within his house. His children will be like olive shoots around his table. Thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. You know, the enemy, Satan, has deceived us into thinking that if you fear the Lord, you will be impoverished. You will suffer. Yes, we will suffer, but only in the sense that our suffering will lead to God's glory. And we are no longer afraid to suffer because we are more than conquerors. But pastor, those passages you used are for the Jewish people. We are Gentiles, Christians. Are they applied to us? Can we hold on to those promises? Look at the ending of uh, Psalm 34. He keeps what? All his bones. Not one of them is broken. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. It's amazing that this long psalm ended with that passage. He keeps all his bones. Why is that important? Does that statement sound familiar to some of you? He keeps all his bones. In John chapter 19, verse 31. Then the Jews, because it was Sabbath, they asked Pilate, 
that the legs of those who were crucified might be broken and that they may be taken away from the cross. So the soldiers came. They broke the legs of the first man because there were three of them. And then they broke the leg, the leg of the other. But coming to Jesus, when they saw he was already dead, they did not break his leg. But one of the soldiers, to be sure, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. These things came to pass to fulfill the scripture. And what scripture is that? None of his bones were broken. Meaning these promises can be ours because Jesus himself fulfilled the prophecies, fulfilled the requirement for these blessings to also be given to the Gentiles like you and me. And if we still are not convinced, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 1.18, God is faithful. Our word to you is not yes and no. You know, sometimes Filipinos, ganyan eh. Pero hindi natin sinasabing yes and no. Ang sagot lang natin, maybe. Siguro. No? For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, was not yes and no, but is yes in Him. For as many as the promises of God in Jesus, they are yes. Therefore, also through Him is our amen to the glory of God. Now He who established us with you in Christ and anointed us is God who sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Oh, I pray that you will experience not ordinary blessings, but great blessings. Not only you, but your children and your children's children. And it can happen if you and I fear the Lord. If our children also fear the Lord. But let me end with this question. But pastor, what about my sins? What about my failures? So before we take the Lord's Supper, I'd just like to remind us about the gospel. That when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died as the Lamb of God to take away, not just forgive, not just forgive, but to take away the sins of the world, your sins and my sins. You know, it's wonderful that you can pray to God and while praying, you are not haunted by guilt, by fear, by condemnation. Because what you have done terribly in the past had already been wiped out by the death of Christ on the cross. And I like this statement from Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Yes, we have done terrible things in the past but there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because they were paid for because through Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of life set me free 
from the law of sin and, and death. What about the blessings? What about the praise? Let me end with Ephesians 1.3. Oh, how we praise God. And you can praise God every day, continuously. Because the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us, past tense, has blessed us with every blessing you can ever imagine or think of. And these blessings are ours. Why? Because, because we belong to Jesus. Not because we are intelligent, not because we are good, but because we belong to him who loved us and gave everything in him for us. Let us pray. Our God, forgive us for the many times we grumble and complain. Lord, I pray that you will change our perspectives and attitudes. That when we look to you, when we look at people, when we look at life, Lord, in everything we will give thanks. Because despite the many problems, many challenges, many ugliness that we see in life, we are reminded about the beauty of Jesus. And that every day, He is changing us from glory to glory, from being a redeemed person to a beautiful person. Oh Lord, I pray for all people who are here. Lord, I pray that you will install in our minds, in our souls, in our spirits, the fear of the Lord. My dear brethren, if you have not yet made Jesus number one in your life, if your trust in Jesus is just 70 or 80% and not 100%, if you feel you are not glorifying Jesus in your everyday life, but today you, say, you want to say, Lord, I want to put my 100% trust in you. Lord, by your grace, I want to honor you in my words, in my work, in my relationship, in my money, in my wealth. Today you may do so, and Jesus will be honored. If this is the desire of your heart, wherever you are seated, can you just raise your hand and I'll pray with you that this fear of the Lord, He will install deeply in your soul, in your mind, in your heart starting today. Is there anyone who would like to? Yes. Are there others? Yes. 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 Praise God. Yes. Those of you whose hands are raised, say this prayer with me from your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you that you know my heart so well. This afternoon, I offer to you my heart. Lord, forgive me for the many times you are just second or third in my priority. Today, Lord, by your grace, you will be number one. And today, I am deciding to, to give my full trust to you. Grant me the grace to honor you in everything I do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering.